Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transportation Exchange Podcast presented by Rush Truck Sands of Canada. I'm your host, Jason Cuddy, and on today's episode, we welcome Adam Whitney, who is the VP of On Highway Engine Business Canada with Cummins. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Jason. Thanks for having me. So Cummins is becoming our regular guest now. I think this is the third time we've had you guys on, but uh, as usual, we like to bring you on because there's something timely to talk about. And as we kind of are, are through selling for 23 for most OEMs, we're, we're talking 24 or, or hopefully talking 24 soon as this comes out. And we know there's potentially some changes coming more so from CARB that will drive everything kind of going forward. So I thought we'd have you on, maybe walk us through what Cummins is doing in anticipation of 24, 27 and beyond what it means for the different platforms and, you know, what, what that means kind of for the customers. So maybe we'll kind of dive into, you know, what, what potentially is coming down for 24 with CARB compliance. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, as you pointed out, we're entering a really interesting time where lots of regulatory changes, lots of customers looking to improve their sustainability, their customers, shippers are looking for the same thing. So it's, right. it's kind of hitting a point where there's all kinds of factors that are, are making everything wanting to be more uh, fuel efficient, environmentally friendly, carbon reduction, et cetera. So 24 is the first standard that's coming, um, predominantly a carb standard, right. which is still in a little bit of flux, right? EPA is yet to still fully rule on will CARB be able to change their emission regulation. And that emission regulation is really aimed at NOx and particulate. So it'll dr- the way CARB has it proposed today at 2024, so just a little bit less than a year from now, mm-hmm. um, NOx will reduce from 0.2 grams of NOx to 0.05 grams of NOx, which wow. is pretty significant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we initially went uh, to 0.2 grams of NOx in 2010 when we added SCR to the engine. So it's gotcha. been a little while of stable Fair. architecture, so <laughs> su- substantial change potentially coming depending right. on how EPA rules. Fair. Yeah. And that's a significant one, right? And it's 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 pretty impressive still, like technology-wise, what we've been able to do to clean it up. But as you say, it's in flux and, you know, EPA will, will decide shortly at some point and, you know, Canada traditionally follows suit. So, you know, so we're, we're an OEM obviously selling probably by the time this gets figured out into 24. So what, what does that mean kind of for Canadian fleets as they're kind of specking vehicles? Obviously, if they're going to California, they're going to have to meet this. But, you know, do they, do they get the advantage, I guess, of this technology going forward in, in general to some extent? Yeah, so the way Cummins is adopting CARB in 24 is no real changes to the engine okay. itself. Um, just based on our strategy, every engine manufacturer may do something a little bit different for CARB. Um, so really, the way it'll impact the Canadian fleet is mostly if you're registering a unit in CARB, it's got to be CARB compliant. Right. If you're not registering in CARB, it can be EPA compliant, which is not an issue. Uh, the only requirement then is you can't idle for longer than five minutes in a CARB state. Gotcha. Yeah. Fair enough. So, and then obviously this comes across all platforms um, that you guys offer. The majority of the ones that this will impact the largest obviously is the X15 platform because most straight trucks don't usually travel to California back from, 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 from where we are anyways in Eastern Canada. Obviously in Western Canada is a different story. You can have obviously trucks go down there. So you could potentially, and what we'll see is several Canadian fleets will have operations and in, in areas domiciled in the state of California. Right. So they'd be impacted. So they're asking more and more questions. Yeah. It makes sense. Right. Cause it's obviously where, where you're registered for some parts as far as being compliant. Yeah. If, you've, if you've got a hub, you know, Canadian base, but you've got a hub in California, it can certainly impact you. May, you may just decide where you register units moving forward. Yeah. I think we're seeing, I've ever seen a lot of fleets kind of registering, you know, in Texas or other places, there's a lot of businesses leaving. So, you know, it, it's doing a good job in the environment, but definitely it's, you're seeing it's, it's footprint, you know, within the industry. Um, so 24 is significant. Obviously, wait to see what CARB does. And um, you know, I guess not so what CARB, but EPA does as far as recommending that. But as we leak past 24, it doesn't stop. 
you know, they, they keep pushing and keep pushing. What uh, What's beyond 24 once we get past that first kind of hurdle? Yeah, 27, I think, would, would be what, from a Canadian perspective, is what we'll see as the major hurdle for us. Right. Um, that'll impact EPA as well as CARB even further than what CARB is looking at doing in 2024. Uh, so in 2027, from an EPA standpoint, what they've proposed, and they released that, I believe, late December, they did their announcement on their 2027 regulation, uh, is a NOx reduction. So again, we're at two grand point, sorry, we're at 0.2 grams of NOx today. Yeah. Uh, EPA is looking at going to 0.035 grams of NOx in okay. 2027, which is a significant reduction. Um, and then CARB is looking at, you know, again, further down to 0.02 grams of NOx. So wow. further, <laughs> further reduction there. So I think 2027 is where you're going to see um, different technology than we have today. Uh, diesel will become more complex. Yes. Hence more expensive. Yeah. Um, and more challenges as well, not just on the emissions requirements, but warranty requirements jump out as well. So from a EPA standpoint today, if you purchase a unit that's EPA compliant, uh, it comes with emissions warranty of a uh, hundred thousand miles from an EPA standpoint that jumps out to 450,000 miles, Wow! which means for all those emissions components and not just after treatment, but it can be engine components that do affect emissions uh, that gets warranted out to 450 miles, 450,000 miles from a, same as from a carb standpoint, as well as useful life. So we also have to register um, and, and certify that our equipment will last a, a useful life of meeting those emission standards. So that'll get pushed out uh, to 650,000 miles in 2027. So, you know, that's significant, right? Because, I mean, that really hasn't been on the table before is, you know, obviously you build to a certain, you know, B rating or, or some sort of life expectancy of a vehicle, but never mandated yeah. <laughs> from, from, from somewhere. So, and I think... Obviously, there's not enough specifics to talk about it, but clearly, you know, the elephant in the room and all that is none of this is free. So there's there's cost increases that we see to the platforms just by the nature of meeting these compliance items that, as you mentioned, fuel goes up. But obviously, to go from a, you know, 0.2 to 0.035 or down 0.02, there's some technology going in there, some research and development, which will obviously, in the end, drive the cost of the, the engines up, which will then cause the trucks to go up in, in general. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think just the investment in being able to meet these requirements uh, will have a cost as well as what does that hardware look like? Yeah. Right. So we'll have for 2027, we'll have some additional elements on the engine that will provide heat to the after treatment versus using the engine to do it solely. Um, so that will obviously have a cost. Um, I think there are some benefits to customers. You know, fuel economy will continue to improve right. on these products, which is you know, usually a fleet's top couple of, uh, of cost, yes, um, sure. in their structure. So that, that helps, I think, you know, um, emissions obviously is, you know, it's good for the environment. It's good for everybody. Um, but cost certainly comes up and then that's where we'll see more and more, um, manufacturers looking at what kind of alternative fuels, because how can we offset some of these to be able to sell some diesel? You may need to be able to sell some zero emission or much lower emission product. That's a good point. I know, and carbs is such a, a weird one for us here in Canada because we're not fully involved in it as much, obviously, in, in, in the States. But, you know, you do hear everything goes on. And, and carb is, yes, it's the emission piece, but there's so much more to it, even from from both our sides as, as you know, manufacturers, is to be able to sell into California your, I don't call it legacy issues, but our traditional platforms, you're going to have to sell so much of zero emission vehicles, right? So for, from both of our ends, we got to find ways to sell enough of, you know, option B to keep selling option A to, to fleets. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that yep. becomes an interesting challenge for everyone to figure out. And it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's an interesting part because, you know, the technology has come such a way that 
yes, the costs go up, but you made a good point and maybe it doesn't get brought up enough. I know what I'm talking to people is yes, the, the cost of engines have gone up and the cost of the truck has gone up, but your fuel economy is getting better. And if, if you said, if the fuel, A, the price has gone through the roof as we've seen for fleets, but it is traditionally, you know, one or two on the list of, of costs. So if, if you're bringing that down, that does help offset it. And in some, you know, some areas you may have grants to help offset some additional costs. So it may not be as an impactful buying decision as it, as it seems like it could be potentially. That's correct. Yeah. And like we were saying with today's market, not being able to necessarily just go out and purchase as many trucks as you'd like and yeah. take delivery in the next three or four months, you know, customers are going to ride this timeline out, I think. I, I agree. Yeah. And sometimes not by their own choice, right. unfortunately. <laughs> so beyond 27, it's still, we got a little bit more line sight to, to beyond 27. What does that look like? I know it's probably still hypothetical, but they've got some targets, I guess, planned out right now. Yeah. I think from a, a NOx and particulate matter standpoint, we'll be just about on diesel as clean as it can get. I think yeah. we thought that a little while ago, <laughs> but we'll continue to push the envelope. Uh, where, where we're seeing it is is uh, on the warranty side and the useful life side, mostly on the carb. So carb's going to go to a 800,000 mile emissions useful life, wow. which means you've got to meet that emission standard out to 800,000 miles um, and warrant those emission components up to 600,000 miles. So um, that will then increase further costs as well as, as OEMs are having to a design their, their component to be able to meet emissions out to that timeline, which is, you know, 800,000 miles is you're often into the yeah. second owner of a truck by that point. Good point. Uh, as well as warrant the emission components out to that point. Yeah. So that, that's substantial, right? So it, it will be interesting to see what really gets adopted as we go, you know, and traditionally carb is the leading, you know, pusher of it and definitely kind of the more extreme EPA definitely kind of pulls it back together. And traditionally, I guess Canada will follow what, what EPA traditionally does as far as guidelines. That's been the history is, is Canada has followed the EPA guidelines. I, you know, I imagine that will continue to happen. Um, you know, Canada has also announced, you know, um, you know, a certain percentage of zero emission vehicles in passenger and in truck applications moving forward as well by 2030, as well as clean fuel standards. So that, that's another thing when we think about diesel and other, other types of fuels is there's regulations that from a, a well to wheel standpoint of that fuel source, you know, cleaning up the emissions of how you derive that fuel, how you refine it, which also it's not just about what you burn in the engine or comes out of the t- tailpipe of your truck. It's how that fuel is manufactured and the environmental impact of that as well. That's a key piece because I think sometimes that gets lost in the conversation, right? Especially when you get to zero emission vehicles. You're like, great, nothing's coming out of the tailpipe. They're perfectly green. It's like, uh, well, are they, right? right I yeah. mean, they are at, at that point of it, but getting to that point, what have we done and, and can you trace it? So it's good that they start putting some you know, regulations are ways to kind of, you know, incentivize people to be green all the way through, um, you know, because, because it gets, sometimes it gets lost in the, in the translation, right. Um, especially on the zero emission side, you know, but I think, you know, there's reports or somebody's mentioned somewhere. I heard that, you know, with the technology we have today, and we're not even at the point, you know, zero two that carbs trying to get to so where we are currently today. So technically 2010 mm-hmm. you know, standards, I think they're saying the, the exhaust coming out of, you know, a, a truck, a class eight truck today is equivalent to, you know, 60 trucks is equivalent to like one truck from like the eighties. Yeah, like it's crazy. that's how much it's cleaned up. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's, uh, you know, for probably, especially all these trucks running in the city, the what's coming out of the tailpipe is way cleaner than what it's sucking in, you know, yeah. from an air point of view. So, well, yeah. I mean, you're driving around, you look at trucks up, up and down the road, yeah. you don't see a plume of smoke coming Not out anymore. of a tailpipe anymore. You used to back 15 yeah. years ago. If you do now, there's something wrong with it. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's wild. Yeah, I mean, as a kid, you go up north, and every every red light along Highway 11, it gets these plumes of smoke right <laughs> from every truck trying to get going. You yeah, know? And it's, yeah. And those are those days are gone. You know, you can almost 
have a couple of them running in the shop, you know, for a little bit without causing too much issues. Not ideal, but obviously compared to what it was before. Yeah, dramatically yeah. different. Yeah, we used to do back in 2010, we'd do the clean rag test, right? Yeah. We had a white cloth and put it on the inside <laughs> of the tailpipe and show how clean it is. It's wild. So, yes, I mean, the technology is, you know, impressive and obviously carb is pushed for that, but it is good to make sure that the footprint from start to finish is green, right? And that's, yeah. that's, I think if that gets promoted really well, you get some people kind of on board for the whole technology because, you know, a lot of people see through the marketing side of being green. It's like, well, wait, there's, there's, it's messy, you know? Yeah. And that could be a differentiator for fuel providers as well. Whether you're talking about petroleum based fuels, natural gas, hydrogen, right? What's the cleanliness from the whole life cycle of that fuel? And that could create a little bit of an economy there as well and competitive advantages for some providers. That's a good point. And, and especially with the technology, when you get to the class eight side of it, you know, zero emission, everyone has kind of defaulted to being battery electric. That's kind of been the, the leading, you know, for lack of better words, charge of, of where things are going, you know. Um, but on the medium duty and light duty, it makes sense. The trucks that come home every day, yeah. you know, that that's a great platform. But when you get into the, you know, the class eight stuff, stuff going into California and back from, you know, from Canada or from, from the East Coast or from, from the South, uh, it, it's not probably the most dominant way to go. And obviously you guys recognize that and are starting to kind of build some architecture to be able to you know, deviate, you know, which fuel choice you're going to use, but kind of carry the same platform. Maybe talk to us on kind of what, what's in the, in the pipeline for that. Yeah. Really exciting times. I think, I mean, we've had a philosophy as long as I've been at Cummins that, you know, we'll use a tag light that the, the right technology matters, right. And we're not just going to say, Hey, here's what we have to sell. Here's what's right for your business. What, what may be right for one fleet is different than another fleet. And we try to accommodate that and have different types of products and different types of fuel sources. So you know, recognizing the range of applications that our customers use, um, fuel availability as well, and, and just overall preference. Um, working towards, you know, zero emission vehicle, whether it be battery electric, whether it be fuel cell, I think, you know, that's coming, mm-hmm. right? I mean, sure. and in different applications, and I think you said it really well, you know, our vision is that from a, a medium duty pickup and delivery, shunt truck application, battery electric makes great sense. School yeah. bus, we've that's been our largest proliferation to date has been in school bus. But when you get into class A, you get heavier loads, you get longer ranges, perhaps more unpredictability in where they're going True. and where they're going to get their, their energy source from. Um, you know, hydrogen is, is probably a long-term zero emission. Um, but until we get to the point of, you know, full battery electric, fuel cell, which is zero emission vehicles out of the tailpipe, you know, we don't want it to wait until we have that perfection. And we don't think it could be a light switch event. So we're really investing a lot in internal combustion products can, you know, we talked about diesel and that's mm-hmm. going to continue to get cleaner, which is a really good thing. Yep. Um, but also looking at what can we do from an internal combustion standpoint, leverage that technology. Um, so we'll have these internal combustion, diesel, natural gas and hydrogen products as well by the end of the decade, which is pretty exciting. And we're, we're using a term a fuel agnostic engine. And I know we ran through this previously. Um, we're launching next year. Uh, we're launching a 15 liter natural gas product, which is a new design new platform, 15 liter product for us. Uh, we'll be launching that in 2026 as a diesel engine as well. So um, same bottom end, kind of think from the head gasket down, common architecture, depending on whether you're running natural gas or or diesel doesn't matter, right? Same block, crank, all those base components. And then from the head gasket up, we'll modify it based on the fuel source. So it'll have a different head cylinder components and obviously a different fuel system. Right. Um, and then you know, a little further, 27-ish, 28 time frame, uh, launched that as a hydrogen internal combustion engine as well. And, you know, what I think is exciting about it is it'll allow us really common architecture, right? From a efficiency standpoint, economies of scale, 
right? We're purchasing a whole bunch of the same bottom end components, which helps us be more cost effective. Assembly line process is the same from an OEM, you know, when Navistar is thinking about, you know, putting engines into their chassis, it's, it's one essential engine to architect into your chassis, right? Correct. Yeah. Modify for the fuel system, of course. So that'll help efficiencies as well. Um, and, and, you know, our customers know how to operate internal combustion engines, right? We know how yeah. to fix them. They've got transmissions. You still check oil in them. It's very similar and consistent with what people have been doing for decades. Um, so it does allow some of those synergies as well, while we can continue to clean up uh, environmental as well moving forward. So really excited about that as, a, as an overall platform as we move towards eventually zero emission vehicle. Right. And I think it's, it's, it's a neat way to, to state it that, you know, having the, the, the common kind of platform helps obviously take some costs as we've talked about, you know, where that's yeah. coming, but you know, at the end of the day, these are zero emission vehicles, which is the goal. Right. And I think that's, that's the key thing for the folks on as we get to these zero emission targets. It just doesn't necessarily mean it's all battery electric, you know, right. it's, it's a great technology, but you know, the, the internal combustion engine isn't necessarily going away, you know, but we just got to adapt it to different fuels to get us to zero emissions. But you know, we, we can, we still have what, what we love. Right. Um, absolutely. I mean, we'll, we'll clearly state, we don't think an internal combustion engine is going away again. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, it's, I think I'll, we'll be retired by the time diesel goes away, but uh, um, you know, while an internal combustion is not purely zero emission, uh, it's, it's very close when you think about hydrogen, once we get to that point, yeah. right. Um, it's still a internally lubricated engine. So it's a little bit of carryover, a little bit of NOx and whatnot, uh, but significantly cleaner than we would have today. So what it, what it also does is it helps, it helps create demand for that energy infrastructure, right? Right. Whether it's natural gas, whether it's hydrogen, I think that's what's going to be, you know, a determining factor of customer adoption is can you get fuel Yeah, and how much does that fuel cost? So the sooner that starts better. Agreed. And that's kind of, you know, we've said on the electric side, you know, the, the truck's the easy part, really. It's, it's the infrastructure to, to keep the truck Absolutely. going, whether it's bringing the power to you or whatever. And they'll have the same thing with fleets who, who go, you know, natural gas or, or uh, you know, or hydrogen is, you know, fuel, fuel availability, right? Whether it's en route uh, at, at your own facility, a lot of people have their own fuel sources on site, um, but just the infrastructure to support it, you know, so you can run from here to California and, and make it and come back. Um, the ability to service it when something goes down, like there's all these little things that we'll get there, but we're, yeah. we're so early in, in the stage that, you know, there's a lot more questions that are answers, um, but you can see where it's going. And like you said, I think once the infrastructure gets there or, or gets closer to getting there and all of a sudden, I think the, the adaptation part will, will, will rise pretty quick. Absolutely. You know? so yeah. It just takes time really. You know, <laughs> It will. I, I think it'll accelerate pretty quickly because I think, a, the, the regulations are going to require it. Yeah, it's going right? to push it. There's going to be, you know, we're all going to have to make zero emission vehicles available and accessible and, and to be able to sell diesel product as well. So yeah. there's going to have to be a mix and that mix will continue to have to grow to be zero emission vehicle. Um, so that will, that will drive it. And, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of investment just in fueling infrastructure as well of various sources, right? Whether it's battery electric, you know, I think, I was at one of your locations, you're getting a battery charger, yep. uh, a charger installed. I know we're looking at it at our locations as well. So that will continue to grow yeah. as a necessity just to be able to service them. Yep. Um, but obviously from a fuel standpoint as well, um, from a hydrogen standpoint, that economy I think is, is already growing at a, a pretty rapid rate. And I think it'll be exponential over the next few years. I think so. And I think, you know, all the OEMs um, and the manufacturing side, I think everyone's invested into it. So, you know, I think you've got everyone moving in the same direction, right? You don't have one person trying to do something totally different. So I think when everyone gets a little bit aligned and all of a sudden, you know, becomes a real option for fleets because, you know, a lot of fleets are, you know, mixed OEM fleets. So they want to make sure that they can carry that across all their, you know, their whole fleet, right? Not just have to stick to one OEM or two OEMs and make sure they have some, 
some right. maneuverability in, 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 in what they can get. So I think, yeah, as people adopt to it and, you know, the infrastructure comes, yeah, I, I agree. It's kind of like a hockey stick. It's just going to take off you know, yep. at some point. He'll just, you know, it'll engage itself and then all of a sudden, okay, it's here and it's real. Yeah, we, we're kind of looking at it. So we've announced what we call destination uh, zero of 2050, uh, where all our products will be carbon neutral. Um, but we're kind of looking at it by the, by the next decades, right? So the rest of this decade is just going to be a whole bunch of new technologies coming at us, yeah. right? Lots of entrance to the market, you know, everybody kind of putting their money and allocation and resources into certain technologies. And like we've seen in the past, some will advance faster or further than others will, and some may not, right? And uh, so we're investing in them all. Um, probably in the early 30s, we'll start to get some clarity as to, you know, which way the markets go. And the markets will ultimately dictate, right? That's true. From a cost perspective, ease of use, uh, where can you get your fuel, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, so by the time we get to the 2030s, we'll probably start getting pretty widespread adoption of zero emission and into the 40s, obviously. Yeah, and then we'll see who the leaders are there and yeah, yeah they'll take it from there. So yeah. no, that's a good point. That's a good insight. And, you know, like you said, I haven't had a big change since 2010. So it's been a handful of years. Like you said, by, by you get to 2030, you'll see that kind of next revolution of, you know, what, what stuck and what worked, you yeah. know, and what did people buy into and, you know, grow that. So we'll have to get together in 2030 yeah. and kind of review everything we said <laughs> we'll and see a, how it actually played out. <laughs> exactly. We'll do a revision uh, episode and then see, <laughs> see what we got right. And what we got wrong. Exactly. So, like, like I, I appreciate you coming in and give us a, you know, an overview of what's to come, you know, obviously in the very near future for 24, which is still up in the air. And at some point we'll get some clarity, but I think to your point, I think 27 really seems to be the focus year, regardless of, yeah. of where you run and what you do. That's going to be the year where, you know, the technology really kind of kicks it up a notch and, uh, Hopefully by then everyone's got the supply chain side figured out. We can work with the fleets and get them equipment ahead of time and get them get them set it and ready to go. So thank you for, for sharing all this with us. Appreciate that. Yeah, no, appreciate you having me on. It's awesome. Excellent. Hey, well, that concludes today's episode. And I want to thank Adam from Cummins for joining us. And to catch up on past episodes, check out transportationexchangepodcast.ca. And until next time, thanks for listening.